Welcome to Lord Clark and Friends, Episode 5, Part 1. We have Lord Cran back on the line. Howdy. And uh, we're ready to get going. We're ready to get going. Um, did you... I know there have been a lot of things in the news uh, lately. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, this... The economy... How, you know, <laughs> stock market... <laughs> Recession, not recession. I don't even know where to go on this one. Uh, do you have any ideas on where we, we should start? Um, sure. Well, I'd... why don't we start where, you know, most of America starts their day, Mickey D's. Um, yeah, I agree you know, the, the Big Mac effect and, and where we're at and, you know, everything in terms of uh, how we can get by, you know, on a really tight economy now. Right. Um for those who may not know, the Big Mac is a universal symbol of American capitalism, well, obviously, yes. but more importantly, it's a benchmark for what the uh, what the world bases its standard on, because McDonald's is everywhere, the Big Mac is everywhere, so even if it's three or four bucks for a Big Mac, you know that you can get more Big Macs in one place than another. Well... And the typical benchmarks of the quality of, of the servers, but right. you know we're looking at rising costs. And I'm going to take you know this is somewhat anecdotal, but hey, I'll jump in and say it. I was just over at the gas station tonight because I didn't want to order spend like three bucks on a bottle of Coke for a delivery from Domino's. Okay. Okay. And I was like, well, you know. There is a, a shell game going on in terms of consumer cost. And you, you look at a bottle of Coke, okay? You've got a bottle of Coke, like a two-liter. Yep. You've got a 20-ounce bottle of Coke, a one-liter, um, or you've got a can. Now, this gas station was selling the can for 99 cents. So let's do our rounding. It's a buck, yep. okay? Now, it's all, they're also doing two... Um, one liters for two bucks, and they did have a two two liters for two fifty. Now, uh-huh. this situation is designed to punish people who do not want to spend the two minutes to do the math and realize that you're getting ripped off on that can severely, and you're doing okay. Um, for the, the more expensive bottle, but it turns out that the guy there was like, oh, the sticker, you know, that, that shouldn't have been there. Well, apparently I got the last two two liters for $2.50. Good well, deal. Well, apparently, which isn't a bad price, you know. I no, no, actually, it, it's still above same. my, can I just interject here? It is above my uh, mi- maximum that I would pay for a two liter in that I don't believe in going to the store. If I'm going to get get up off my butt and go to the store. I'm not going to pay more than 99 cents for a two liter of Coke. Um, well, nah. I think those days are over. I, I'm honestly starting to think, based on these recent, I mean, you look across the board, food prices, beverage prices, they're all going up very quickly, very, you know, uh, right now. And, you know, the, the price we know, at least just taking the two liter of Coke, should should have been really two you know two two liters for two bucks and that's what they used to sell them for 
I got one with a sticker that said two for two fifty, and now they're three. Okay, right. they're a dollar fifty each. And he was about to charge me that. He actually rung it up. He's like three dollars and eight cents. And I'm like, uh, huh? Right. What? No, it says two for two fifty. Oh well. All right, here you go. He's like, if it says two for two fifty, you get it for two. But you know, the prices are on the rise, and it's like, well. Okay, so the two two liters that I would have paid two bucks have now just gone to three. That's right. huge. That's that's huge, and it's happening across the board. I noticed that when I go grab my lunch at work, everything's like a buck higher, a buck here, a buck there, a buck here. Everybody's feeling the pinch, yeah. and it's across the board. So you know, it looks like there are some really tough times ahead, and it's showing that the weakness of our dollar. So. You know, always look local. The impacts are always going to be local. Even if there's all this crazy news about what the stock market's doing, the investments are doing, and what the government's doing, uh, the results are always coming home. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned the weakness of our dollar when our dollar is the strongest it's been in, I mean, compared to other currencies, the strongest it's been in five years. Um, you know... As I'm looking at the price of the dollar now, against the euro, it's 146. Um, that's I can remember that that being what it was 10 years ago. Uh, right. Same thing with the pound at 185. I mean, we weakened it. It's weakened this week, but it actually had been in a fairly strong position, which is weird, considering that really two months ago it was at like the worst it's ever been. Mm. Um, you know, just to well, kind of maybe it's relative. That. I mean, maybe the, you know the overall costs worldwide of these goods are going up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're feeling a pinch over in Europe or England uh, with the or the euro or the British pound. You know, their their values are also having troubles. Tough yeah. to say. Yeah, it is tough to say. Um, they are also having trouble. One of the reasons they're having trouble is because our our banks are are screwing are um, screwing them over by they all took out bad loans in the American uh, in the American uh, what do you call it? What? In the American, oh crap! What am I thinking? In, in the American housing market, they took out a bunch of subprime loans on their own too. Well, so. <laughs> you could uh, attribute this to the problem of creeping socialism and its government role. True. Um, I, you know, I look at the the bipartisan nature of our um, economy and. You know, every time there's a compromise, you know, the liberals and the conservatives, the Republicans and the Democrats, whoever is compromising, we're footing the bill. It doesn't yeah. matter how they compromise. It doesn't matter who has the greater leverage. If they compromise, we get the tab. Yep. Um, and because of it, you know, it's like, well... The best thing one could hope for is a gridlocked government. So gridlocked that they can't do anything that will cost anything more. True. And that's what I'm hoping for. 
Well, you know, we're in a time now that it seems pretty bad. I mean, there's been talk of doom and gloom over the past couple of years. Um, you know, some people have already thought we're in a depression. They've already they've been saying that for, you know, quite some time. You can't always go with the doom and the gloom crowd, okay? It, it may or may not be that bad. And if it is that bad, you should be buying things, okay? I mean, you, if a hurricane comes and you think you can weather it out in your basement, would you? Probably. If yes. you think you can, and what would you do? You'd stock up on all the things that are important. You know, some people would take that a little more to heart and stock up on, you know, uh, things in the financial market that, hey, the, all these stocks are now on sale because everybody's panicking. Okay, pick them up too. Yep. You may need them. You don't know. You know, so I, I look at, okay, the, the big picture of Wall Street and say, oh, well, things are on sale, everybody's doom and gloom. <laughs> uh, maybe there's some opportunity here, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? It's, that's true. But, you know, the, the idea where the, there's a notion of welfare, and this isn't just the localized welfare, this isn't the special interest welfare, there is this notion of across the board welfare, which I like to call Robin Hoodism. You know, Robin from the rich or the middle class take and give it to the poor, um, which is mm. really not what best represents America and American ideals and what, what we were founded on. Right. You know, we escaped, uh, well, we being Europeans who came over, uh, wanting to escape taxation without representation, well, that was part of the theme when they were here as a colony, you know, a set of colonies for England. And, uh, and yet, the things have, you know, turned all around in such a way that we have more and more taxation, and we get less and less to show for it. I go and vote whenever I possibly can. Why? Because I paid for it. Yep. Okay, it's, 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 I consider voting like a receipt because I'm paying my taxes. I'm paying my bills, okay? My taxes are a bill that everybody sort of, you know, everybody may not benefit from, but many people will pay. Right. And, you know, under you know, threats of duress and jail and things like that, you know, nasty stuff. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, it's a really interesting way to look at it. Your taxes are what gives you the right to vote. I mean, that's a real interesting way to look at things. Well, I look at, you know, things in terms of, of also property. You know, property being either items that you own or land that you own. Right. And, you know, the the importance of property has really also diminished um, over time. Yeah, I'd agree with that, um, especially as we get more into the condensed city lifestyle, as you become more and more part of the city and the surrounding suburbia of it, the property actually goes down in value because the, the importance of it becomes less to my daily life. Right. 
you know, it's not like I need a farm with a hundred acres of land to survive for my family and maybe make a little, eke out a little bit of a living anymore. Um, that hundred acres of land can be put into better use and I can, uh, go and do a specialized job. So you're right in that sense that property is becoming less and less valuable. But I would also advocate the role of, you know, hey, someone who wants to be a farmer and has hundreds and hundreds of acres, yeah. that I would actually make the claim that they're probably a lot more responsible people. Oh, I totally people agree. who are living in the city, living somewhat communal. And, you know, the fact that we've gotten so far away from how are we going to fend for everything we need and right. how are we going to make all of the things in our lives that we have to, you know, be it consumer goods or, or, or produce or everything that, you know, we would normally be responsible for had we not come up with, you know, a lot of these societal inventions. True. I totally agree with you. And I also look, I started, this is a new theory I've been coming up with, that no matter what the government is, if you're a basic farmer in the middle of the country or something, yeah. you're never really going to be totally displaced from your land because throughout history, you don't really destroy the farms because everybody needs them to feed your people. So right. you'll always be brought back to your land. Now, there is a time if a new government comes in, but as far as if the same type of people are in charge all of the time, no matter what the form of government is, your farmland is still going to be farmland. Right. And so you're kind of lo I kind of look at it like, well, the farmer, no matter what, though technology may change and help him out, isn't going to be displaced by is displaced by very few things. Yep. Um, and so in some respects, you know, if you're a lowly farmer, you're always going to have a piece of property and you're going to have something in perpetuity, whereas somebody else in the city can be displaced very easily by many things. There are multiple benefits now of being a farmer. Right. And some of them do and some of them don't represent how things should be. Right. Um, it's good that, you know, there are oil companies offering uh, people to, letting them, like, the, the option or offer to sell the oil rights for drilling on the land in, in some areas, but letting them stay on there. It's kind of right. like a, a, a lease or usage situation. Right. And that's kind of cool. So th there's that, but there's the other end of it where, you know, what will happen is a lot, the government will, based on the, you know, uh, combined efforts of the entire country, pay subsidies out and, you know, it doesn't matter. It's almost like it's, it is another form of welfare. And there's welfare on many levels. There's corporate, there's personal, there's, you know, there's government. There's many, many layers of things that would be considered welfare. And welfare is really a code word or a euphemism for government-sponsored charity. Oh, I and, totally agree. And, and I think, yeah, we, we definitely agree on that. And I don't think it is the role, obviously, of government to be a charity to anyone. It, it's the only thing the government should be really responsible 
is for having us a currency and keeping us uh, safe from attacks. I don't think there's anything else that really needs to be in place. But I digress. What I was trying to get at uh, is the possibility of, you know, well, farmers being, what, what they're doing is they're actually living it up and reinvesting these subsidies, which is taking from everyone and giving to them, yep. whether or not the crops are good. And, you know, it's like, well, if you have X number of years of a drought and they're still making money, well, something's not right about that. It's, and, and, you know, the same thing holds true in corporate culture where, you know, you could be three layers deep below a management management in corporations yeah and because the company is doing really well you're not seeing bonuses you're not directly you're sort of shielded you know with this sort of averaged or normalized salary that you get every year with maybe a marginal increase here or there but over merit or over time but you are you are shielded from direct capitalism in both, you know, the direct impact of capitalism when things are good. So you're, when things are bad, everybody suffers. But when things are good, only some see the gains. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you have to, you have to be aware of where to get the gains or else you're going to be hosed out of them. Yep. Totally agree with that, and I totally agree that for the most part, businesses will try to hose their employees and not give them any part of those extra gains if they can get away with it. Yeah. Um, yet the upper management always seems to get nice bonuses, and you know, there's this huge line divi- division line between who gets bonuses and who. You know who does all the work, right? Um, now, this is one thing where the total free capitalist society of the stock market has actually kind of can level the playing field, in that anybody can buy the stock of a public company, and a lot of times the employees are actually given a chance to invest in the company. Well, see, here's the thing, though: if you listen to mainstream media, yeah. The idea of investing in companies and, you know, taking advantage of the given financial climate or weather, if you will, oh, yeah. is seen as taboo. It's like, well, all these people, you know, they're all making money, boo-hoo, and, uh, you yeah. know, well, when oil goes to $175 a barrel or 200 or 300 it doesn't even matter how high. The point is if oil gets high, for example, yep. and you're not investing in oil companies, you know, well, why are you not taking part in the profit-taking that you know is there and you should know to exploit because it is there in front of you for the taking? I wholeheartedly agree, and I, and you have it. Everyone has an opportunity to do it. 
and people say, oh, well, I don't have enough money. That's not true. I mean, these the shares of the oil companies are only so much. You know, doesn't matter. 70 bucks will still get you a $10 shift. You know, you still make the same percentage. Right. You know, I, I've always believed that it doesn't matter. Just get into the market because you're, you're losing out on the rich man's game if you're not playing his game. That's right. Um, and how do you think the rich man got rich? <laughs> he took taking some risk. Advantage of calamity, taking risk when when risk need be taken, yep. um, and when everybody else is worrying. Exactly, he's taking a risk when everybody else is thinking it's not worth taking the risk. Yep. But you know, we look at consumer costs. Yep. And you could go now and buy technology stuff, you know, like laptops, um, MP3 players, iPhone type stuff, yep. whatever you want, all your tech toys, and they're now on sale because of the economy. They're right. less expensive, and food is more expensive, and services are more expensive. Right. Um, this is unusual. This is very unusual. Well, there's a few more unusual things about this whole, quote, depression we're in, in the fact that U.S. companies and companies in the industrialized world actually have positive balance sheets. For the most part, other than a certain, other than banks, the most, almost all of the major companies have a positive balance sheet. Which well, they're also, they're also getting away with more, and they're also... Um, Claiming higher productivity. Right. But, in any sense, claiming all of this higher productivity, they still have a positive cash flow and a positive balance sheet in what we, quote, call a disaster of an economy. Now, well, they're more concerned. I, yeah, I'm going to speculate on this, that most companies that are trying to weather out the financial climate now are more conservative than more, most people as individuals are. Oh, they're far more conservative, and they they believe in putting money away and not racking up credit card debt and not being in hock, but they also do buy buildings and, you know, have mortgages just like consumers do, um, yet they seem to be able to survive without government assistance. You know, it's only... You know, I find I was reading something earlier today that says, you know, we want to keep the profits private, but you know, make sure that everybody shares in the pain. I think was yep. you know another welfare uh, tactic, and I kind of agree in that respect. Why is the government getting involved in the market? Let the market handle its own business, and it'll sort it out. You know, maybe a lot of pain for a lot of people. Yeah. But is that pain not undeserved? I mean, people taking out mortgages that are above their means for the longest time, and you know, I mean, it, why should we reward someone who got in way over their head when, when in fact, that we're going to be paying the tab for them? It's just not right. No, it's, it's really, not. It absolutely is not right. And no, you know, no. I think letting letting people. You know, it, it's got to be a tough love or a suffrage of some kind where people, okay, if you if you, you do the crime, you 
you pay the time. Oh, I totally yeah. agree. And if you if you want to pull out the loan, you know, pay the loan. Be ready to pay the loan. Don't take out a loan that you can't afford if you're going to be out of work for six months. That's you right. Know, take out a yeah. loan that you can afford. You know, I don't want to take out a housing loan that I can't afford. You know, that's just stupidity. Yeah. And why should me as a taxpayer be rewarding you for being stupid? Yep, and there's the other aspect of, you know, I start thinking, and I've heard many quotes, but I'll I'll point out a couple of them. One of the the head comptroller of the U.S. or whatever was interviewed on a show, and they they were asking, you know, if the government were a company, how how would it be different, you know, if you treated the U.S. government like a company? And he basically replied, you know, if the U.S. government were treated like a company, somebody would be going to jail. Very because of, of the, the actions, they're just you know not in line with with uh, moral, not not even just moral, you know, just um, good practices of how businesses should run. It's there's favoritism, there's corruption, there's all these you know different little earmarks and pork barrels and. Yep. All this, all this other stuff. But the other thing that you got to look at, in terms of okay, well, if the government were a business, you got to ask yourself: this bailout is just over, I think, seven hundred, seven hundred trillion dollars. They're talking. And I thought it was seven hundred billion dollars. They were talking. About. <laughs> well, you know, what what's an extra digit really when you're talking with government money, which is collectively ours. Um, do you want to pay off seven hundred seven hundred billion dollars in taxes? Do we have a choice? I mean, really, do we have a choice? As long as we're in the U.S., we don't have a choice on that right now. But very true. That being said, you throw. Let's say you're running a business and you have some kind of problem. You have to ask yourself if you're going to throw a trillion dollars at it. Should you be pretty confident that the problem is solved? If I threw a trillion dollars at anything, I'd assume I could do pretty much anything. Not only the the problem be solved, but I take down a few other people with me, with me to you know take out a few other people's economy while I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, I want to do some economic assassination, you know, or some assassinations with uh with this. You know, I don't think well, Canada, they. Wouldn't Canada become another state? Under my plan, I'd be broken up into five U.S. states, along with uh, Mexico being the the uh, sixth state, and we give the Democrats one state, any all the votes from Mexico, and we t- in the Republican, oh, and the votes from uh, sorry, um, what is it, Quebec, and then the rest of the Canada Canadian provinces becomes Republican states. So, uh, yeah, that's my kind of theory on where where things should go. The, the Lions team, when, when you're talking about government acting in a way that is very welfare-like and very beneficial to some and not others, you the lines of, of Democrat and Republican are just blurred. There, there may as well be the the Republicrats or, oh. you know, to, to, to even split them logically has no meaning now True. like it used to. True. Um, 
But uh, let me let me uh, digress and change the topic a little bit. So, you know what things used to be. Um, there are a lot of topics that used to be really popular in talking about, and I'd like to do a sort of where are they now of certain terms that we haven't heard of in a while. This is the end of episode five, part one. Uh, thank you for listening, and if you have any comments about part one, please send them to podcast at lordclark.com. And have a good day.